Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I hope you're having a great Memorial Day. And remember, the purpose of this day is where we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for your and my freedom. Today, we're having an opportunity for you to hear a broadcast that we recently did on my radio show that we're making available to you on today's podcast. And I want to talk to you about a big move by Walmart to directly take on Amazon. The nature of how people are shopping has changed for so many people. And Walmart in particular has ended up with a lot of people shopping with them who historically did not, who would not find themselves really ever inside a Walmart store, but they've become shoppers through Walmart.com, very heavily on the grocery side with pickup. But now Walmart is putting a huge effort into delivery and not delivery like you'd have from a traditional supermarket where Walmart for an annual subscription of $98, anybody get a sense they're doing an Amazon kind of thing, is offering delivery from their stores And right now it's 1,000 stores. In the next few weeks, they'll be at 2,000 stores. And it's going to be pretty much everywhere Walmart is in the United States where you can have delivery at that $98 figure of food and items throughout the store. Not every single item in a store can be delivered, but it's uh, Walmart says 160,000 items. Now, then there's a membership, uh, not a membership, but there's a service on top of the service. So if you order from the Walmart delivery, and again, it's for groceries and now other things at the 98 a year, you get the delivery. But if you want things delivered to you within two hours beyond groceries, you have to pay 10 bucks. So it's one thing to schedule and have groceries delivered, but if you want everything delivered as a member of Walmart's delivery service and you want to have something delivered within two hours, it's $10 total for that delivery. There are a lot of people that will have a big interest in that, others who won't at all. But what's happened is that The strategies of the big retailers are starting to cross over each other. Target doing a huge business with free delivery. Typically, they don't promise two days, but typically it is two days for people who join the Red Card program. And Red Card costs you nothing. In fact, Red Card gets you a 5% discount on most of your purchases. You also have the ability at Target, even if you're not a red card member, to have the pickup available in the stores within four hours for free of a lot of items in the store. 
Dante is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dante. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. This is an honor to finally talk to you. Longtime listener, over a decade listening to all your advice for us. Well, that's fantastic. What's the best advice you've ever heard from me, and what's the worst advice you've ever heard from me? (laughs) Nothing really comes to mind with the worst, really. I mean, even all the ones that callers call in about as their worst, there's always something of a silver lining that we learn from it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, well, you're too kind. Yeah. Um, I'm calling because I haven't really seen much maybe reviews or feedback regarding the green light for kids debit cards what are your thoughts around that and maybe alternatives to it so people have been very curious about the green light product because it is a spending card for teenagers uh, really people 13 to 17 years old and you as a parent control where the card can be used how much can be spent store by store. So you can set a limit at one place different than it would be at another. You can instantly monitor what your kid's doing with his or her money. And the thing that's a real twist is you can set up a parent savings account where you establish if, let's say, your child's working and he or she, instead of spending some of their money, saves it. You as a parent can pay interest on the account, on the savings account, where you establish what the interest rate will be. Okay. So, so often any product that the banks ever come out with for teenagers, they're all about trying to hook the teenagers on plastic and trying to get them into spending as much money as they can. Right. So what's Well, I just different? remember growing up, even now, my kids are, are wondering how this could happen. But the flip side of all of this is I would get a, when I was in high school, I would get a weekly allowance. And my kids, by the way, they're twins, one boy, one girl. They get a weekly allowance. We call them a, a commission. Well, what we like about paying in cash is that it teaches them a lot. When they go to the store and purchase something in cash, they have something tangible. Where my reluctance of going into plastic is, it's almost an automatic thing for them where they don't really watch closely. So I'm having to modify, my wife and I are having to modify our parenting skills when it comes to closely watching what they use whenever they swipe as opposed to paying in cash and they get change back and they watch how much they have in their little piggy bank and so forth. And you identify something that is a terrible problem for teens, but by the way, this is also an awful problem for adults. And whenever I work with adults that are having a spending problem, I put them on a cash allowance and have them use cash only. And the reason is, is that there's really no way to teach finiteness psychologically, forget practically, but psychologically, with plastic, because you don't get any sense of plastic diminishing, but with cash, you absolutely see your cash hoard shrink. And so it's like instant shock therapy for your wallet. Yep. So yep. The, the thing with green light is they are approaching a very real problem, and that is how do you 
get any financial discipline into a teenager's head when they think of plastic as being money and it never feels like you're ever at the bottom of the well. That's true. Now, the thing with Greenlight, you have to pay a fee. I think it's $60 a year. Right. I saw online it was like $4.99 a month per family or something like that. Yeah, so $60, but if it gives the ability, if you find that it that it does create the discipline in your twins that you're looking for, then I'd say 60 is cheap. That's true. Even though it seems expensive to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they can each get $30. They can each get $30 in savings for what you're paying in a year for the annual fee for it. But they are going to have to deal with plastic through their whole adult life. That's and, right. And for that reason... You could look at it as almost like a tuition fee having the $60 charge. Ethan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ethan. How are you doing? Hey, Clark. How are you? There you go, Ethan. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. You're looking for a new car, huh? Yeah, so I, uh, I'm a recent college graduate, recently started my first professional job at a CPA firm, so I kind of feel like my professional life is falling into place piece by piece with the exception of uh, my transportation. I'm at the point where I desperately need to uh, replace the old... Wait, 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 wait. If you just just went to work at a CPA firm, when are you ever going to be able to drive the vehicle you're going to look for? Because all you're going to be doing is working 168 out of 168 hours a week. Isn't that right? Uh, Just about right, but at some point you have to drive to and from the client side. Okay. We had a couple questions about protecting my credit while I'm uh, obtaining financing for the car. So I know you're supposed to get quotes from other other sources. I know I can get a good rate at my credit union, but I was wondering if I'm going to my credit union or to a bank or to the dealership and getting different quotes. Uh, isn't that repeated? Those repeated credit inquiries going to hurt my credit score? So is there any way to protect against that? So that is a fantastic question. And there is an exception to how hard inquiries work on credit for vehicle loans and for mortgages. So for vehicle loans, all applications in a two-week period are treated as if they are a single application. Because nobody thinks that you at once, Ethan, are going to go buy half a dozen cars. Yeah. So you are A-OK if you were to go apply many different places for a vehicle loan, as long as you do it in that concentrated two-week window. Okay, great. And I will be stunned, stunned beyond measure, if you find a better loan rate for a vehicle at any bank versus what you'd find at a credit union. Because credit unions... Yeah, credit unions tend to write uh, vehicle loans about one and a half point percentage points lower than banks do on average. Mm-hmm. So there's an enormous uh, savings that you have with a vehicle by getting it from a credit union and a big, big advantage over getting financing at the car dealer that you're going to get a vehicle. Are you getting new or used? Uh, I'm going to buy used like a two, two years old maybe. Okay. If you might consider... Are you, are you buying a car or an SUV or what kind of vehicle? Uh, a car. All right. So with a car, right now, because of distortions in the marketplace, 
you may be able to buy a new vehicle, a new car, for mm-hmm. a price that is so close in price to what a two-year-old one would be that you may find that your best deal will be to buy one with basically zero miles on the odometer, brand new. Because uh, car sales have declined so much, and they decline quicker than automakers were prepared for. And so there tends to be an oversupply with most brands for cars, not as much for the SUV segment. Okay, that's not uh, advice you hear every day to buy new. Yeah, when would you ever hear that from me? So it has to be an unusual alignment of the stars that would make that true. You'll find that if if you went older than two years, if you went, let's say, three particularly four-year-old vehicle, that you would find that the price advantage is still great buying used versus new. But two-year-old versus new on a passenger car, I doubt you're going to find the price advantage buying used versus new. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Shannon's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Shannon. Hi, Clark. How are you, Shannon? Good. How are you? Good. How can I serve you, Shannon? So I have a property that um, I'm planning to rent out soon, and I'm looking for ways that my tenant can pay me that doesn't involve mailing or hand-delivering a check to me. Okay, and the beauty of that is that you don't want to spend all your time trying to go after your tenant for a rent that is late. And so there's a service that I've recommended for a while called Cozy that I've never had a complaint about. Have you heard of Cozy? I have not. It's for small landlords. And it's free for both sides, both the landlord and the tenant. There are a lot of other services that uh, cost usually um, the landlord money, but this one is free. And they make it free because the goal is to then sell you as a landlord other services, you know, that you know who Cozy is and that you don't then have to buy anything else from them, but they're there. And so collecting rent for you is just a loss leader for them. And the website, okay. I should tell you, is an unusual website, Cozy, C-O-Z-Y, dot C-O. Okay. And you can see how that works. Now, a number of, how many rental properties do you have? Just one. A lot of people who have just a rental property use Venmo. But okay. I, don't, I don't really recommend using Venmo for that purpose. I like Venmo being just for friends paying friends, reimbursing friends, you know, when they split a, an Uber or they split a meal or whatever and they reimburse each other that way. I'm not thrilled with using it for a commercial transaction. But with just a okay. rental property, if the tenant is one you're really comfortable with, you could just set up. Venmo. Do you have a Venmo account already? I do, yes. 
So that would be an easy alternative. Okay. And I hope you love being a landlord. You know, in my leases, I give the tenant a discount if their rent is paid prior to the first day of the month. Okay. And I do that because the people tend to understand that if they're renting from a professional management company, an apartment complex, that the rent's due and the rent is due and there's no excuse. But when it's an individual renting a place, people feel like it's not as important to pay the rent. (laughs) And uh, that's why I've done this thing over the years where I give the tenants a discount in return for the rent always being paid prior to the first day of the month. Okay. And the discount I give is $50 a month. And they just know that they pay $50 less if it's before the first of the month. Right. And that's in the lease. I had a tenant who always paid the rent late. And I was not just not paying it by the first, but would pay it uh, like 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th. And I'd say, come on, just pay me. You'll save $100 a month if you just pay me 10 days earlier. <laughs> and I could never right. get her to do it. So it was like I, I had pushed through a rent increase. But fortunately, she always paid the rent. But I was always getting more money than I really wanted to get. I wanted the certainty that I was getting paid on time every month. And she just couldn't get that done. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. And I have had so many questions over the last two months from people that own a home that they don't know if they should go forward with their plans to sell it this year. And then even more questions from people who were considering buying a home and with the uncertainty in the marketplace because of coronavirus, don't know if they should proceed. Well, there have been a lot of people predicting that home prices were going to collapse. And I don't see that. I mean, we would have to have a tragedy out of coronavirus so much more severe than economic modeling that I see for home prices to in any way collapse. But there are things that are very disruptive with the home market. One thing, the sales in the marketplace have dropped a lot. So sales are down, depending on whose measures you believe, somewhere between 8 and 17%. I even saw one modeling saying that home sales were down 20%. Not prices, the units that have been sold. But the reality is, and this is a stunner, Home prices in a lot of markets around the country have been going up, not staying the same or declining. Why? 
because it's crazy. It's classic supply and demand. As I guessed, sellers have very heavily gone on seller's strike. There's a natural ebb and flow with a huge percent of homes sold each year, sold during the spring selling season, which in much of the country is March, April, and May. Some parts of the country is April, May, and June. And so people in big numbers put their houses for sale in that time, and people buy in that time, and then they move over the summer. This has historically been the case in the marketplace. The traditional influence has been schools, that if people are moving to a different part of town or different neighborhood or whatever, their kids' school may be different. They want to move during the summer and have the kids go to school. Well, this spring selling season is a bust, overwhelmingly, because sellers figuring there wouldn't be enough buyers during coronavirus just decided this isn't my time, this isn't my year to put my home on the market. They did so in such large numbers that it really cleared out the supply of homes for sale. And so what happened is the buyers that remained found less inventory than would mathematically have normally existed and has pushed prices in many places up during a time that the overall pace of sales is down. So if you are a home seller and you decided to set out the selling season, you may find that there's an opportunity for you putting that home on the market. Remember, you're not having to do in-person showings anyway, most anywhere in the country. It's going to be a virtual showing. And you can test the waters of the market and see if somebody does want to buy your home. The worst that happens is you say, ah, well, that was interesting. That didn't work. And then you'd wait till next year. Jonathan joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Jonathan, you are a new dad. Yes, we're loving the new son. And how old's your son? He is five months old. And I understand that he's already ready to enter elementary school, that he's exhibiting such levels of brilliance at five months. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of his mom in him. Well, that's great. So she's a genius too, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, how can I be of service to you with your five-month-old? We want to go ahead and set up his college savings plan, but I'm 47 years old and probably three to five years away from a full retirement, and I'll be 65 when he heads off to college, and I'm wondering if it's better to go ahead and start a 529 plan because I had heard that a Roth IRA in my situation might be better since it will allow more, more flexibility when we pull money out and I'm 65. You are not just partially correct, you are 100% correct. Okay. So for you, as a dad at 47, you are best served without doubt by funding college for him with a Roth. The beauty is, if it means the money ultimately doesn't need to be used for college whatever happens in your life later there's other ways to pay for school 
your son gets a scholarship, doesn't want to go, whatever, then the money is still there growing tax-free to be spent tax-free in retirement. But because Roth money can be used for any purpose tax-free in retirement, you would be free to pull that money out and pay for college. So it gives you far more flexibility than doing the 529. You know what's ironic about your question? What? Whenever somebody calls to ask me about a Roth, I mean a 529, I always steer them to a Roth if they're not saving in a Roth or the maximum in a Roth before they put the first dollar in a 529 account. You were just a step ahead of me, and you have the ideal, perfect reason why the Roth comes first. Can I ask how old your wife is? 42. So at 42, for her as well, it's great for her to do a Roth and for you to have both Roth accounts so that that gives even more flexibility. Okay, great. So whatever you were thinking of contributing to one, how much money are you in a position to afford to put into a Roth each year? Oh, we should be able to max it out. So you would each, it would give you more than enough money to pay for your son's college, and at the same time would help improve retirement security for both of you well down the road. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And by the way, you have made so many listeners jealous as could be that you have lived your life in a way that you're going to be able to retire at age 50. Uh, yeah. So yeah. you should feel great about that as well. And congratulations to you again on your young son. Christine's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christine. Hi, Clark. Yes, indeed. Um, my uncle passed away and, and he left a bequest for me. And I received a notice from the bank and they said that they have been appointed the executor of his estate. And they have asked me to send some rather personal information like my driver's license and birth certificate and things like that. And I'm, I'm a little nervous because it is a foreign country and that, you know, in this day and age of identity theft, what do you do? So, Christine, let me see if I follow this. So your okay. uncle was a Canadian citizen? Yes. And mm-hmm. do you have other family in the area in Canada where he lived? Yes. Where in Canada did he pass away? Did he live? Vancouver Island. Oh, but the, really? Uh, yeah, the the trust company is located in Vancouver, British Columbia. All right, so and, Vancouver yeah. Island is to the west of the city of Vancouver. It's where the city Correct. of Victoria is. And right. so if you were to find out who the equivalent of the executor is for yes. his estate. I have the name, right. All right, have you talked with that executor? To, yes. And so yes. this is all on the up and up and all that, and this is the financial institution that Mm -hmm. you're supposed to work with? Right. And um, she is a trust officer in that corporation. And I can understand from their perspective, this is a bank, and they want to know that I am who I say I am. But by the same token, I'm reluctant to send things like that through the mail. Well, in this case, in this case, as long as you've verified with family... That mm-hmm. This is who's handling the dispersal of funds for mm-hmm. the estate. I would go ahead and 
deal with your discomfort, but send the paperwork. Okay. Should I FedEx it just to make sure that, you know, it doesn't get opened or something? Or? Well, that is a good idea to send it uh, FedEx or UPS with okay. or with the Postal Service with some form of tracking and tracing. Okay. I will do that then. And again, I'm sorry about your loss. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Clint's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Clint. How are you? Pretty good today. How are you today? Great, thank you. Clint, there's something you've noticed when you go out to eat that's got you really freaked out. What is it? Well, I've I've noticed at a couple of different well-known fast food uh, chain restaurants lately that I've gone to, I uh, use my credit card to pay, and then at the bottom of the receipt, uh, it has my uh, full name printed out, not where like my signature or anything, but, but it has got my full name at the bottom of the receipt, sort of down there near where it puts the uh, last four digits of your credit card number. And I don't see that on every receipt that I get. So it's just kind of kind of uh, uh, confusing as, as to why some businesses would include that and others would not. Actually, it's become a lot more common now. And it's weird. It's like going back in time when before we had electronic processing of credit cards and they used to manually run a credit card slip you would always have your full card number on it yes and it would have whatever your name is that's listed on the card and and that's why people were always told back then destroy your carbons um, Mm -hmm. and make sure you keep your receipts well now Mm -hmm. in particularly in the restaurant business uh, sit-down restaurants, fast food, it has become common practice, again, that your name is on the electronic receipt. Hmm. And the bad part about that is that, and I don't want to talk too much about this, not to give people I- ideas, sure. but there are people who know how to figure out, based on the last four of a credit card, be able to make a decent guess what the rest of the numbers are. Exactly. I understand what you mean there. So it brings up the point that uh, when you get a receipt, unless you need it for some kind of accounting purpose or something like that, that you rip it up into pieces and put it in the trash right at the place you're eating or that you stash in your pocket and you throw it away when you get home. Well, what concerns me is that uh, sometimes they they might ask you, do you want your receipt? And and what if uh, a customer had no idea that their name was printed on there, and then they they don't know who who could end up with that receipt at that point? You are completely right, and that makes you a member of our team explaining this to people so they'll be paranoid enough to always get their receipt. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jason. Hey, how are you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Jason. But you're not. What's going on with your home? Well, we had purchased a home about a year ago uh, from a professional real estate company. And we've been having minor issues here and there with them. And eventually we got moved into our home. Come to find out this year, I try to get my bricks fixed around my house where there's cracks. Uh, The brick mason suggested that I go to a foundation expert first because he felt like it would be a waste of my money me to pay him to fix it because he, he thought that he would be coming out there multiple times. So oh, do you have, get you have defects in your foundation? 
we don't know or we didn't know based off of the inspection report that we got when we purchased the home. The inspection report said no issues noted. It got a green check mark. Okay. All right. So now you've got a brick mason telling you that they can't do, they don't recommend doing the work till you make sure your foundation's okay. Correct. And so if you call companies that do foundation work, you're going to get their opinions, but they're not engineers and they want to make money selling their services. Have you gotten any estimates from any foundation companies? I have. I've gotten a couple of them so far. And what kind of money are they saying is needed to apparently repair your foundation? Between nine and $11,000. No. No. All right. Um, don't do anything. What I would do next is you want to hire a licensed engineer to come and evaluate the foundation. Okay. And come up with a re- recommendation if it is, in fact, faulty how it would be fixed because you need that for dealing with the inspector and the inspector may have what's known as E&O insurance to deal with something like this. Uh, Sometimes though the inspector will have put in their hiring agreement that you would have had that they only have to refund you their fee if they miss something. Okay. You said you bought this from a property manager, a professional property management company? Correct. Once you have the engineering report, you should approach them as well. Okay. And maybe let's hope you're not looking at something as expensive as you've been told the nine to 11,000. But I would never engage in a repair like that without the professional engineer and his or her report because just because somebody says oh we'll do this and everything's going to be great what happens if you still have the same problem and you spent that money right and the engineer may decide that you have a cosmetic issue not one that's fundamental to supporting the house or may recommend a completely different method of fixing what they do fine. All right. So uh, this is no fun what you have here. How long ago did you say you closed? Just under a year ago. All right. So I want that engineer quickly so that uh, with a professional owner of the property, a professional property manager, you may have a claim against them if they sold you a property that was not structurally sound. Okay. So, uh, and a year in many states is a key time. So that's why, and they're not going to rely on what some contractor says needs to be done. You need the professional licensed engineers stamp and signature on a report as to what the problem is and what the remedy should be. Gosh, um, good luck with this. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.